Well, bond yields are shooting back up as the focus comes off the collapse of banks and back onto the fighting of inflation. So was it all a storm in a teacup? Just how far will the Fed go now? And the ECB this week as well and the Bank of England next week faced with a jobs market in the UK which is staying resilient. And the NAB business survey yesterday. We look at the takeouts from that as well. It's Wednesday, the 15th of March, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, today, bond yields are bouncing back up again. German 10-year bonds up 16 basis points, up 14 in France, 12 in the UK, but only nine for 10-year treasuries in the United States. But then look at two years in the United States, up 24 basis points, a much higher than that earlier, uh, hitting 4.4% overnight, coming from a low of 3.8%. Aussie 10-year yields were down seven basis points yesterday, down to 3.45%, uh, but up about four basis points overnight on futures on that. And shares on the rise up 2.1% for the Nasdaq at close, 1.3% for the S&P 500 and 1.1% for the Dow. We had bigger rises in Europe with the Eurostox 50 closing up 2%. And the US dollar, well, that's calmed down a bit as well. Pretty flat, in fact, on the DXY index. The Aussie dollar up a quarter percent to 66.8 US cents. The US dollar is up 0.7% on the Japanese yen, though, but down 0.4% on the Canadian dollar. And spot gold falling back a bit, but oil well down. Massive falls in oil, in fact, down 4.4% for WTI and 4% of Brent, which is now below 77.6 a barrel, not far off the year so far, and uh, only a dollar or so off the low for last year. So is the banking crisis over and the Fed's, you know, hiking back on track? Is that all we're concerned about now? Let's ask uh, JB Weir's Sally Old. She joins me from Sydney this morning. So on uh, US shares, financials have gained a lot of their losses that they, they'd lost, those big falls in the front end uh, bond yields that we're talking about. It looks like we're back on track. So, you know, collapse of a couple of banks, just a momentary diversion, Sally. It, it, is everyone convinced that, you know, nothing else is going to happen and we're just back on plan A? Good morning, Phil. I'm not sure everyone is 100% convinced, but I think, you know, we had had a couple of sessions where there were some huge and, you know, quite outsized moves in the share prices of some of these regional banks. And that was even after, you know, the Fed had acted pretty swiftly, uh, you know, along with other regulators like the FDIC to put in place, I guess, a, a, a sort of solution or, or a tool, a new tool um, to address some of those issues, which, you know, I thought when, when it was announced was, was actually a pretty neat uh, solution. Um, and, you know, it felt for the first 48 hours that the market wasn't really convinced um, and thought maybe that, you know, it wasn't it wasn't quite enough. But, you know, perhaps as, as people have had a couple of days to absorb and, and watch and, and think, um, you know, maybe they do understand that there was, you know, something reasonably niche about a couple of, of those banks um, that might not necessarily reflect the state of the entire U.S. banking system. Um and, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just sort of wait and see. I think it's probably a little bit too early to, to, to be saying that it's, it's job done and we're, we're out of the woods because I think what people will start to worry about probably um, rightly is what this means for bank margins and, and bank profits and bank earnings, you know, over the next little while because we're sort of in a situation where, you know, if you're a bank, um, you're probably worried that your cost of funds is, is rising and whether that's because higher um, credit spreads on bank paper or you have to pay a bit more to, to get deposits in the door. So you're worried about that. Probably also worried about uh, your lending book. So you're probably going to tighten uh, lending conditions. And that means that at, you know, the asset growth um, 
of, of banks will probably slow uh, a bit and and you might also be worried given that it feels like we are pretty late cycle that bad debts are, are starting to rise and so the combination of those three things mm. I think is probably not overly positive for the banking system as a whole and that might just I think probably cap some of the enthusi- yeah, but that, enthusiasm we've seen. Okay, but that's mm. all talking about reduced profitability rather than trading insolvent isn't mm. it you know it's, it's correct uh, yeah uh, I, I think the very particular set of circumstances where their assets fell so much uh, you know is not replicated in the broader banking sector so maybe that's why it's eased off but also of course you know the focus is back on inflation now uh, because we had the inflation numbers out of the out of the US so uh, it's gone from uh, if we look at the core inflation number month on month for February it's gone from 0.4% to 0.5% which was more than expected but it's fair to say it actually went from 0.4 that's only mm. if we do it in one decimal place it went from 0.4% to 0.45% so it gets rounded up to 0.5% if it was actually 0.01% lower uh, we'd be saying uh, it hadn't moved at all so so there's some perspective yeah that's right so i think uh, you know to three decimal places if we want to argue the point it was 0.452 so, oh, so 0.0, you know, 0, just 0, a 3%. touch over 0.45 and yeah. hence why you know it was it was rounded up and not down but Look, that's still a pretty decent um, monthly rise in core inflation and the annual rate's at, at 5.5%, which is down from the highs, but it's not falling, I think, probably fast enough to, to give the Fed confidence that the job is yet done. And I think more worryingly for them, mm. you know, when we look at um, other measures of core inflation, like core services inflation, that was up... The super, six- the super core inflation, as it's called, Jerome Powell calls it, isn't it? Mm, that was up... Well, core services were just up 0.6 of a percent. That's pretty chunky. And the annual rate there is running, you know, above 7%. And that's been inching up over the last couple of months. And then this sort of super core, you know, this core X shelter and rent, that was up 0.5 as well. And so I think all those various measures, whichever way you cut the numbers, um, are telling you that services inflation is still proving to be pretty sticky. Um, and that, yeah. I think, is, is an issue for policy and, and they like this, don't they? Because these are the numbers that are supposedly less volatile, these uh, these core services numbers. So like how much it costs to get someone to mug your lawn or cut your hair or that sort of stuff. Normally don't change a great deal, but here they are mm. st- still going up, hence the mm. concern. Indeed. So, you know, it's a pretty interesting setup for next week, um, you know, because on the one hand, you've got a set of macro numbers like like those inflation numbers that would probably all else equal argue for further tightening. Um, but then that's now against a backdrop of a you know financial system that maybe looks a little more fragile than perhaps anyone thought. And I think, you know, even though we can sort of maybe put some of those little banks to the side and say, look, they were very niche in the way that they, they had a very high concentration, um, you know, of, of who they banked and where they banked, the point is, in the end, it was just a blow up of a carry trade. You know, they borrowed money very yeah. short through deposits and you know, they invested it very mm. long. Um, and so we know, you know, from previous cycles that as the cost of capital goes up, as rates go up, you know, some of those carry trades can un- unwind in quite a, a violent fashion. And that's what we saw. So I think that, you know, the broader message, and this is the one that will resonate with the Fed, is that you know, after lifting rates over 400 basis points in a, in a pretty short space of time, um, we are now starting to see some cracks 
emerge. So, so does that mean the idea of 50 basis points is still off the table, but we are expecting 25 basis points uh, next week? And and what does it mean for the ECB? Because, of course, there was talk about them going 50. So, I mean, could they also be saying, well, OK, that seems a bit much, or could they stick with that? Yeah, that's right. So, you know, Powell, um, you know, when he spoke last week, which now seems like an absolute eternity, you know, did say it's all to yeah. do with the totality of the data. And so since then, you know, we've had an inflation number that, that would probably be pretty uncomfortable for the Fed. We had a pretty strong payrolls number. You know, we added another 300 and something thousand jobs. And that probably tells you that the month before where we got that outsized, you know, 500,000 plus gain wasn't some sort of fluke or, or random outcome. So it tells you that there's still underlying strength in in the labour market. Um, and we'll see what retail sales deliver tonight. But look, I think, yes, a 50 is probably not on the cards given everything that's, that's going on. Um, but the market has started to think that, you know, that there is a better than 50% chance of a 25 from the Fed mm. next week, which I think seems fair given everything we know. And, you know, the, the, the meeting's not until, you know, it's a full week away and a lot can happen um, in a week. And and so I think that makes sense to sort of yep. hedge your bets and think, you know, it could be a zero, could be a 25. <laughs> right. OK. So what about the ECB then? And I know for people listening, they'll be going, my God, we, they talk about this every day. But of course, it changes every day. Uh, so, I mean, if they're, if they're holding back, surely the ECB is going to do the same, aren't they? Mm, well, the market doesn't think so. So the market's got, mm. you know, over 40 basis points priced in for, for tomorrow's meeting from the ECB. I guess they're just in a slightly different situation in the sense that you know they haven't moved as far as as the Fed. Um, core inflation, like like the US and some other jurisdictions, is is pretty sticky and has surprised on the upside. And the economy is broadly speaking doing pretty well. Um, and you know, I guess right now the story is that you know the, the European banking sector you know isn't as exposed or doesn't have those sort of little hidden bombs like the, the US um, banking sector has has proved in the last week. And so, therefore, it means that their central bank can really focus on the macroeconomics and, and less about the financial stability. And so the market seems pretty pretty confident that that's what they're going to deliver um, at this week's meeting. Right. Everyone's crossing their fingers, though, aren't they, while they're doing it? Uh, <laughs> the uh, What about the UK then? So we had, uh, look, there's no sign of easing in the job market. It seems almost anywhere. Uh, so employment went up in the UK. Unemployment that was expected to go up stayed the same at 3.7%. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the, those people on payrolls, uh, on the, uh, according to the government numbers, actually increased by 98,000. Mm. Uh, I think people coming off temporary jobs and getting, uh, you know, full-time jobs for security. Uh, but, you know, it looks like job market's not shifting much anywhere it seems yeah that's right so as you said you know still strong jobs growth unemployment rate you know unchanged in still in the, the sort of high threes i guess the one sort of surprise was that wages growth came in um on the downside and that was the first downside surprise in 13 months um yeah. and so you know that that number was sort of tracking annual rates in the sevens now it's down to the sixes which is still well above where the bank of england's forecasts are um, and so I think on net, this probably tells you that they still do need to, to hike rates next week. Um, you know, they are worried about upside risk to inflation. Um, and we know that, that that's an economy that's very compromised from the supply side at the moment. I guess the interesting thing for all these central banks is, you know, there is always, especially at this point in the cycle, you know, this is not an early early point in the tightening cycle, there's always option value in, in waiting. Um, and we have seen some um, some quite dovish comments from uh, Andrew Bailey of late, um, mm. which sort of tells us that maybe the Bank of England is a bit nervous about taking their policy rate above 4%. Um, 
Um, but I think in the end, you know, they're facing into an inflation story that, you know, keeps printing on the upside and a labour market that still looks very resilient. So, um, you know, maybe you don't do 50 like the ECB, but, you know, the policy of least regret is, is to do another another 25. Yeah. Yeah. So it's budget day in the UK today. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, normally this wouldn't have any uh, market impact. I guess the only interesting thing there is if they drop the uh, the subsidy for uh, for energy costs, mm. which I think is is more or less expected. Uh, then that could push up headline inflation a little bit, couldn't it? Because all of a sudden everyone's going to be hit with the real cost of, of energy. But we'll see what happens there. Look, the the NAB business survey yesterday. Business conditions doing okay, but confidence uh, fell back into negative territory and labour costs picking up a little as well. Yeah, that's right. So it was, a, it was an interesting mix. I mean, that confidence number does bounce around a fair bit. So it has been yeah. volatile over the last couple of months. But, uh, you know, the conditions, you know, are pretty solid. That They were down one point to plus 17. Um, and, you know, in a historical context, that's still pretty robust. And I think it speaks to this idea that the economy – at least, you know, for the first couple of months of 2023, you know, was showing, um, you know, some some pretty pretty good resilience. The labour cost number, I think, is interesting. Um, that will probably suggest to the RBA that it can't really rest easy um, on on the wages number. You know, it got got a better number uh, last month when we saw the fourth quarter wage price index, and that didn't come in, or wage cost index that didn't come in. I think probably anywhere near as badly as they had feared um, and so gave them a little bit of breathing space and, you know, allowed the bank to sort of say, well, look, maybe the risk of a wage price spiral isn't isn't as high as we th- thought could have been the case. Um, but this, this number, I think, will keep them on notice on wages and I, I just don't think they can sleep easy really until they see the next set of wage numbers, which won't come uh, until May. Mm. They're lucky in the sense that, you know, they don't meet for three weeks. Um, so we've got the Fed, the ECB, the Bank of England all going before them. Um, and so they'll have pretty good visibility around the way other central banks are thinking about yeah. the world. Um, but, you know, I would put this one down as saying, you know, if we had to put it into the are they going to pause in April or are they going to deliver another hike? I think this one just slips into the column, you know, of of arguing for a hike. Right. Okay, well, we'll see. As you say, a lot to go on, a lot of water under the bridge mm. before we get to that. Look, shares were higher than they are now. They lost a bit of ground when a US drone collided with a, a Russian jet, or actually maybe it was the other way around, over the Black Sea, which the Wall Street Journal is reporting mm. this morning as the first direct confrontation between Russia and the US since the war began. Uh, so we're over the banking crisis. We might have some geopolitical worries to, to, to focus on, but uh, we'll put that to the side for the moment and see how that transpires over the next 24 hours. You mentioned US retail sales, of course, and look, you know, these have been choppy all over the place, haven't they? Because we weren't mm. quite sure when people were doing their Christmas shopping. Did they do it early? And then were they doing post-Christmas sales? And so this is February, so we should be able to treat this number more seriously, I'd assume. And then we get uh, lots of China activity data as, as well today. We get fixed asset investment, retail sales, industrial production. This is for January and February convi- combined. So we can just see how open for business they really are now. Yeah, that's right. I think the retail numbers will Will be will be pretty important. Um, you know, when when Powell talked about the totality of the data, this would be one that they, they would be looking at um, closely yeah. as well. But you know, the estimates um, for, for February are, are pretty downbeat. So the market or the consensus is looking for a fall of four tenths of a percent in in the retail sales number, and that control group um, is is also expected to fall three tenths of a percent. So I, I guess the hurdle is pretty low for the retail sales numbers, um, and then. You know, for China, um, 
that'll be interesting. It's the first sort of set of real activity data since the reopening. And I think people's you know, expectations there are, I guess, modestly optimistic. I think everyone understands that, you know, this recovery in, in the Chinese economy is not being fueled by huge amounts of stimulus, which is a little bit different to, to other, um, you know, cyclical upturns in the China in the Chinese economy. And so, you know, that, that'll be the lens through which people probably assess those data later today. Well, Sally, always a pleasure to talk to you. I'll catch you again in a couple of weeks. Thanks for your time this morning. Thanks very much, Phil. They are, it seemed like over the weekend, the whole financial system was collapsing. Here we are, Wednesday, it's all over now. <laughs> it seems. That's it for today. Back again tomorrow morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.